Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Welcome to World Weekly. I'm Sean Donnan, the FT's World News Editor, standing in for Gideon Ruckman this week. The focus of Tuesday night's final U.S. presidential election debate was foreign policy, though both Barack Obama and Mitt Romney made determined efforts to pivot the conversation to the homeland. Both of the candidates laid out their vision of America's place in the world. America remains the one indispensable nation, and The world needs a strong America, and it is stronger now than when I came into office. We we want a peaceful planet. We want people to be able to enjoy their lives and know they're going to have a bright and prosperous future and not be at war. That's our purpose. And the mantle of of leadership for promoting the principles of peace has fallen to America. So what does that mean for the world? And was anyone in America paying attention? Joining me today from Cairo is Borza Daragahi, our Middle East and North Africa correspondent. And from Washington, we have Jeff Dyer, our U.S. diplomatic correspondent on the line. Here with me in our London studio is James Blitz, the FT's diplomatic and defense editor. Let's start with you, Jeff. What have we learned about the vision of the two candidates from this debate and particularly about what they see as America's place in the world? Well, they both came to this debate with very different strategies. Mitt Romney's plan was basically to play it safe, to try and appear like he's a very steady, safe pair of hands, that if he does get elected, he's not going to change a great deal, that America can trust him. Barack Obama came into the debate with a much more aggressive intent. He was on the attack. He was trying to frame Mitt Romney as dangerous, as feckless, as trigger-happy, as a return to George W. Bush. Even though the polls say the election is uh, very tight at the moment, it did feel that Obama felt that he was losing and really needed to make a wave. And Romney felt as if he could run out the clock. The overall impression was one of substantial agreement, much more agreement than we've really seen uh, on the campaign trail in the last few months. Romney went out of his way to agree with the president on Afghanistan, on Syria, even on Iran, which has been a very toxic issue in the campaign so far. Let's start with Iran and a clip from the debate. I will stand with Israel if they are attacked. We will stand with Israel. And, and if Israel is attacked, we have their back, not just diplomatically, not just culturally, but militarily. That's number one. Number two, with regards to, to Iran and the threat of Iran. There's no question but that a nuclear Iran, a nuclear-capable Iran, is unacceptable to America. It presents a threat not only to our friends, but ultimately a threat to us to have Iran have nuclear material, nuclear weapons that could be used against us or to use to be threatening to us. It's also essential for us to understand what our mission is in Iran, and that is to dissuade Iran from having a nuclear weapon through peaceful and diplomatic means. So, Jeff, what did we learn about the differing positions on Iran? How far apart are they? They seemed much closer together than they seemed in the past. Romney essentially endorsed the administration's approach of mere tough sanctions on Iran, um, implied that military force would be used only as a very, very last resort. Um, there are subtle differences. He did maintain his line that he's against Iran getting a nuclear weapons capability, while President Obama is against Iran having a nuclear weapon, which is a sort of subtle difference, but it does imply a very different timeline 
as to when you might think about taking military action. But the the, the broad conclusion though was one of was, was two candidates with very similar sorts of approaches and very similar rhetoric. James, how does that debate over Iran look from here? As Jeff says, there is this difference in the terminology they use with Governor Romney using this phrase about not allowing Iran to have capability, which is quite an early deadline. I mean, Iran, some people would argue, is pretty much close to having the capability for a nuclear weapon, and President Obama has a much further deadline, which is one that says, well, they just shouldn't get a weapon, and that's a bit further out. I think in the end, if Governor Romney is elected... I think the view here is that initially there will not be a huge change in policy. There'll be some kind of outreach to Iran, some kind of pressing on with negotiations to try and see if Iran can actually step back from its nuclear enrichment program. But in the end, the difference is that if there is a continued stalemate, it's more likely that a Romney administration would get involved in some kind of military action at some point in 2013. Uh, For example, if Israel were to take uh, unilateral action, it's likely that the Romney administration would be in on the back of that, whereas the Obama administration would probably do everything it could to try and stay out of it, at least not to respond if the Iranians retaliated. So in the end, the difference between the two men is not so much what they're saying in the debate, but how you feel their instincts will react, the different instincts will be in a crisis. And it's, I think the view here in Europe is that a President Romney would be much more proactive in a crisis. Now, attached to this issue of Iran is the question of the relationship with Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, has made no secret of who he'd like to see serving in the White House over the next four years, backing Mitt Romney in pretty blunt terms. Jeff, did we see much difference in the conversation about Israel and the relationship with Israel? Uh, not a great deal, actually. And one, of the, one of the surprises is perhaps how little Israel came up in the debate, other than you know, both candidates leaning over backwards to emphasize just how much they admired Israel and appreciated Israel and, and so on and so forth. But there's pretty little substance. There wasn't the, the sniping there has been in the campaign so far about Republicans accusing Obama of snubbing Israel. And, of course, there was almost no mention of Palestinians or the peace process. Um, so that whole side of it, Israel's story was largely forgotten during the debate last night and also, frankly, during most of the campaign. Let's turn to another of the uh, Middle East issues that came up last night in the debate, and that is Syria and the question of intervention and finding some kind of solution to the conflict there. First of all, 30,000 people being killed by their government is a humanitarian disaster. Secondly, Syria is an opportunity for us because Syria plays an important role in the Middle East, particularly right now. Syria is Iran's only ally in the Arab world. It's their route to the sea. It's the route for them to arm Hezbollah in Lebanon, which threatens, of course, our ally Israel. And so seeing Syria remove Assad is a very high priority for us. Number two, seeing the replacement government being responsible people is critical for us. And finally, we don't want to have military involvement there. What you just heard Governor Romney said is uh, he doesn't have different ideas. uh, And that's because we're doing exactly what we should be doing to try to promote uh, a moderate Syrian leadership and a, an effective transition so that we get Assad out. That's the kind of leadership we've shown. That's the kind of leadership we'll continue to show. Borzu, how does this discussion look from where you sit in Cairo? In terms of Syria, there really, again, wasn't a lot of error between the two candidates in terms of how they would approach Syria. They both were reluctant to uh, endorse any kind of military action. Both uh, gave uh, mild support to the uh, opposition there. 
I think we can't really look at what they're saying in these debates. I think it's more interesting in some respects to look at who their advisors are. Uh, and, you know, at this point in the elections, especially given how tight they are, these debates are, are more about edging a few uh, swing voters in one direction or another than about uh, clarifying issues for the, uh, the voters. It's hard to um, draw a line from what they said last night to um, what they will actually do when they're president. Now, Jeff, Mitt Romney has talked in the past about the need to arm the Syrian opposition. He seemed to take a, a step back from that. Is that right? Well, in, in the past, he, he said that he was happy for the Syrian opposition to be armed, but not necessarily by the U.S. Last night, he, as you say, he was a much more dovish kind of posture. He was very firm in saying that he didn't want the U.S. military to be involved in any way, very much pushing back against that idea, and generally endorsing pretty much most of the things the administration has done. Again, this is another issue where it came along, chose not to pick a fight, chose to try and just seem calm and reassuring, um, and as if he was a safe pair of hands. I guess the message from Washington is there's no appetite for intervention at this point. Absolutely not. And that's the broader message, I think, from the debate and Mitt Romney's tone is that he understands that there's absolutely no appetite for a return to a George W. Bush-type foreign policy. James, that's something that we're seeing here in European capitals as well. Yes, it is. I think the big question immediately after the election is going to be what happens on Syria. I think the timelines on Iran are still a little bit further out. But the big thing we will want to see is whether the new president, whether it's President Obama or President Romney, is taking things in a different direction on Syria. And in the Virginia Military Institute speech that Governor Romney made a few weeks ago, he was a little bit more forward-leaning on intervention on Syria. The reality on Syria is that it's moving from a civil war with 30,000 dead, hideous humanitarian crisis to one which is now beginning to have wider and wider repercussions in the region. We've seen what's happened in Lebanon over the last few days with a bomb attack on a major figure there, which threatens to create Sunni-Shia tensions there. We're seeing um, a huge outflow of refugees towards Jordan, something like 750,000, the UN is saying. We're seeing the tensions between Turkey and Syria on that border. We're seeing the potential flood of foreign fighters into Syria. And so what's happening, I think, is that Senior officials in Europe, and I suspect in the U.S., are saying, "Okay, there is no appetite for intervention. But the reality is this isn't just a humanitarian issue anymore. It's one which really does have the potential to create havoc in the broader region and therefore affecting Middle East interests and Western interests. And the question for them is, can they continue to allow this to metastasize, if you like, or does there come a point where intervention actually would be a better thing to do rather than have no intervention at all? Borzu, let's go back to you. How do you think the Middle East would vote on November 6th? I think many people who uh, watch the debates or are gleaning sound bites from the debate are uh, somewhat disappointed. Uh, they didn't see much difference between the candidates. They were uh, not happy with the competition to sound as positive towards Israel as possible by both candidates. On the other hand, I think there's a lot of uh, worry about uh, Romney as a sort of return to a, a slightly worse era. Um, at least Obama gets the tone thing right. At least uh, Obama has managed to change the tenor of the uh, discussion between the Arab world and the U.S. and the West uh, by extension. Uh, whereas uh, many worry that uh, Romney, with the coterie of advisors he has around him, including Dan Senor, who was sort of a, a cheerleader for the Iraq occupation, 
and um, Tommy Frank, who is an architect of that debacle, will we'll be back in the loop, so to speak, and that this will, again, uh, create a situation that will increase tensions between the Muslim world and the Arab world and the West. I even spoke to uh, one person uh, today who is expressing uh, worry that a Romney presidency would give Islamists an opportunity to once again demonize the West and increase tensions and thereby weaken their secular liberal rivals uh, domestically. Now, one of the uh, clear features of the Obama administration over the last four years has been the so-called pivot in defense policy towards Asia. China came up during the debate last night, although more on an economic front. We'll also make sure that we have trade relations with China that work for us. I've watched year in and year out as companies have shut down and people have lost their jobs because China has not played by the same rules, in part by holding down artificially the value of their currency. It holds down the prices of their goods. It means our goods aren't as competitive and we lose jobs. That's got to end. They're making some progress. They need to make more. That's why on day one, I will label them a currency manipulator, which allows us to apply tariffs where they're taking jobs. Uh, China's both an adversary, but also a potential partner in the international community if it's following the rules. So my attitude coming into office was that we are going to insist that China plays by the same rules as everybody else. And I know Americans have, had seen jobs being shipped overseas, businesses and workers not getting a level playing field when it came to trade. And that's the reason why I set up a trade task force to uh, go after cheaters when it came to international trade. That's the reason why we have brought more cases against China for violating trade rules than the, other, uh, the previous administration had done in two terms. And we've won just about every case that we filed that, that has been decided. Jeff, are we seeing different stances on China out of these two men? Well, as you say, the exchanges in China were very much about economic issues. The shift in defense strategy towards Asia was barely touched upon. Where there were disagreements and where there were arguments in this debate, a lot of it was very focused on specific constituencies in the U.S. And on this one, uh, both candidates were playing very strongly the China cards to waters in Ohio and more broadly in the industrial Midwest. You know, Mitt Romney, again, emphasized this line that he's going to, on day one, he's going to label China as a currency manipulator. That's been a, a very strong part of his campaign. He made that point very firmly last night. But there is a, a lot of confusion as to what that really means, whether it would actually imply any real shift in American policy or not, or whether it's just a sort of theoretical symbolic act. Um, and then there is the implicit threat that that would start a trade war, that the Chinese would counteract and, and their own tariffs and some American goods as well. So there is some genuine disagreement on that specific issue, but more broadly, they're both trying to sound very tough on China, playing to those voters in Ohio. The one economic issue that did not come up uh, last night, and so we don't have a clip to play for you, is Europe and the Eurozone crisis. Arguably, this is still one of the greatest economic threats, uh, the greatest potential strategic threats uh, facing uh, the U.S. James, how are the Europeans going to be feeling this morning about the fact that they're no longer part of the foreign policy discussion among American presidential candidates? 
Well, um, probably not too good, to be honest. But, I mean, it's no big surprise. On the one hand, President Obama would not particularly want to talk about Europe, I think, in the debate. I mean, he is seen by large swathes of the American public as often having been too pro-European or a kind of European type of figure. And for Governor Romney, well, I think we saw with his visit here last year that Europe has not... he, he, He didn't manage to establish good relations there. This was the the visit in which he was accused of criticizing the Olympic preparations in in, in the UK. That's right. Angering an important ally. That's right. And uh, so it's no real surprise that Europe didn't come up. Europe is a weaker and weaker foreign policy actor. I think the big question that people in Europe looking at this debate have is really if Romney wins, What's it going to be like? As Borzu was saying in one of his answers earlier, you have to look at his advisers. He's got very different people on his advising team. On the one hand, he's got someone like John Bolton, who was clearly not in any way an internationalist, somebody who was tremendously strong in the Bush administration in saying we don't want to use international institutions. On the other hand, he's got Robert Zellick, former World Bank president, as part of his national security transition team, representing a very different wing of the Republican Party. And so I think when the Europeans look at the presidential race and wonder what role they're going to play in the story, if uh, Romney is elected, that they just don't know. It's only really as crises emerge that we will see, as I say, what the instincts of each of those candidates would be, depending on who wins, in terms of how they will act and to what extent they will want to carry Europe with them. Jeff, let's come back to you. One of the other issues that came up uh, in the debate was the vision of of what exactly uh, the defense force or the military might was that America had to have. And that generated probably the the zinger of the night. I think Governor Romney maybe uh, hasn't spent enough time looking at how our military works. You, you mentioned the Navy, for example, and that we have fewer ships than we did in 1916. Well, Governor, we also have fewer horses and bayonets because the nature of our military has changed. We have these things called aircraft carriers where planes land on them. We have these ships that go underwater, nuclear submarines. And so the question is not uh, a game of battleship where we're counting ships. It's, it's what are our capabilities? Jeff, if it is a game of battleship, how is it shaping up? Well, interestingly, both parties feel that they came out um, better from that, from that particular exchange. That was the most memorable line of the night. It's playing all over cable TV this morning, it's all over Twitter, all over social media. Um, so the Democrats are quite pleased with themselves. They think that uh, President Obama got off a very strong line. But the Republicans are countering that um, he came across as very insulting almost to the Navy. And they think that his, his that particular line is going to play very badly in southern Virginia around Norfolk, which is the biggest naval base in the world, and obviously part of one of the key swing states. So both parties are playing up that particular line and hope that it will play to their advantage. Before the, uh, what both James and Boris are saying about you know the uncertainties that surround Governor Romney's view of the world and how he would pursue foreign policy as the president, the interesting thing is that the Republican Party itself has absolutely the same kinds of anxieties about Romney. And they don't really know where he stands on these sort of issues. And there's a lot of concern, a lot of angst within Republican circles about this. Um, and if you look through his list of advisors, quite often you find on even specific issues there are people from very different camps. So for instance, on China, he has two advisors, one of whom is a very strong proponent of a very tough military response to the Chinese, and his other China advisor, the whole one of thought is about emphasizing economic interdependence. But even within his own list of advisors, he has very con- contrasting 
some very different kinds of views he's hearing, and people in the party don't really know where he stands. So that's causing a, quite a lot of concern in Republican circles, none of which will have been alleviated by last night. How is this going to go down with voters in America? Is foreign policy really what people are going to vote on November 6th? Almost certainly not. But the question will be, which of the candidates sold the deal last night? Um, Romney came along wanting to just make it seem as if he was an acceptable, a credible president. And a lot of people think that although he, he wasn't especially convincing last night, he did enough to pass that test. President Obama came along wanting to win the debate and show his superior knowledge and understanding of the issues, and he did that. But whether that will be enough to actually change opinion polls is a very open question. Um, coming out of the debate, it's still a very, very tight election, and not at all clear that either candidate will have managed to move things last night. Jeff Dyer in Washington, Borza Daragahi in Cairo, James Blitz here in the studio in London. Thank you very much. And that's it for this week. Those clips from the debate came courtesy of Reuters. World Weekly is produced by Martin Staber. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.